Good morning. Man, I am honored to be here with you guys. My name is Nick Hill. Um, I get to be the community pastor here at Solid Rock. We're going to wait as people online are finishing up their applauding. So just give a second. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us online. I appreciate your encouragement and leadership and how you welcome people. And so, um, anyways, I am really glad that you guys are here. Um, we're doing our Light in the Darkness series, and we're continuing in that. And one of the things as we uh, kind of press in today that we don't have to really study too much is we know there's darkness around us, right? Like we can see it. And we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6 today, and we're going to see what Christ is calling us to do, especially in the midst of darkness. And so when we think about the, the sickness that's been happening around us, and, and there's plenty of that going around, the social injustice, then you just kind of look in a micro level, just how things have experienced um, or unfolded in our own personal lives. You know, we've all had to adjust, and, and we had a lot of things happen. You know, people still lost loved ones. Marriages are still being redeemed. Parents are still trying to figure out how to love their kids well. And we look at all the darkness and all those things around us, but we have to always rest in is that they are not the issue. The issue is sin. Those are just symptoms of what is at the heart of this and that we live in a broken and fallen world that you and the people that we are in love with, the people that we are in contact, friendship, community with, we have to deal with their sin nature as well. But I think one of the biggest things that we, we lose sight of, that we lose track of, that we need to really hone our sights back on is how devastating and destructive sin is in our lives and the lives around us. Not just as believers, but even in, the, in those that who do not believe yet. Like, sin is so destructive. I think sometimes we can be lulled into the fact that, yeah, we're saved, Christ has given us victory, and, and somehow we're immune, or that it's not that big of a deal. But sin is so destructive. It destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with others. It, destor- it destroys our relationship with what's true. Because if you've ever been in sin... You start to think in ways that are untrue, untrue about who God is, untrue about the people around you, and you become consumed to this distorted truth that you somehow have latched on to make everything make sense because you're feeling the hurt, you're feeling the pain, and you just want it to make sense because that somehow will make it make uh, some form of comfort in your life. Sin is just, just it's, it's devastating, it's destructive. And we need to keep our minds on it. We sometimes get caught up in all the symptoms and because they're in your face, you see them every single day. But that a root of it, it is sin. We're experiencing um, the sin that we've committed, sins committed against us, the fact that we live in a fallen world. Because we looked at how things rocked us, that we went from having everything open to so many things closed down. And if you really think about where your heart is, most of us might even say, man, I'm just waiting for things to open back up. For the restaurants to be open, for the schools to be open, for jobs to be open. And I'm pretty sure you would prioritize it that way. Restaurants first, school, then work, right? <laughs> but even if we were to get past all of that, get past the sickness, and somehow get past all the sin and hurt that our, our world is experiencing, there's still a sin nature within us that is going to perpetuate darkness without the light of Christ. It is so destructive, folks. 
and the temptation that we will fall into and what, and what Paul and what Christ is using in this passage that we're looking at in Galatians chapter 6 is to combat the way we attempt to fix it and it's in our own strength, in our own way, and by ourselves. And so we're going to read chapter 6, starting verse 1 through verse 5. And then I want to just invite you to pray with me real quick. So let's read, starting chapter 1. Excuse me, chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in, trans, in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deserves or he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and just grateful for the fact that, God, you are meeting with us, that, God, you have given us your word. And I pray today that we would not just be aware that your word is being proclaimed, that we wouldn't just sit idly in, in front of your presence, in front of your word, that, Lord, we'd be engaged, knowing that your word is living and active and provides life and transformation. And so I pray, Father, that we would respond um, with a willing and open heart this morning to hear from you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So if we look at verse 1, Paul starts off just saying brothers. And what he's doing, he's giving us the audience. This is who I'm talking to, brothers. So we're talking about believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not talking to the outside world. We're not talking outside of the church. We're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. If any of you... Or if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And so what he's doing is he's making it really easy for us. He's saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, if any of us, so we're all, we're all game here. None of us are exempt. So if any of us are in transgression, we are called to restore somebody. So what this tells us is that brothers and sisters in Christ, no one's exempt. We still sin. We have sin in our lives that needs to be dealt with. God has saved us from it, but he is working redemption and sanctification and restoration in our lives as he calls us as his his sons and daughters of, of his kingdom until he calls us home. And so what he's saying is that if any of you is caught in any transgression, and to our point in the introduction that any transgression, Paul is not clarifying or distinguishing certain sins over uh, certain sins. He's not saying, hey, don't, don't worry about the little thing. Just when the house is on fire, then you need to deal with it. He's not saying the white lie, that's not devastating. Don't worry about it. But, you know, lust, adultery, things like that, anger, murder, those are big deals. No, he's saying any transgression, if a brother or sister is caught in it, we need to do something. Because sin is so devastating, we don't need to put them in categories. We need to know that sin is something that will destroy and so he's calling you who are spiritual to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So we're not looking to anybody outside of God's circle, God's church, or God's family. We're looking for another brother or sister in Christ to speak truth into our life 
and to restore us. And if we look at this word restore throughout Scripture and how it's being used, it gives us this picture of a limb being dislocated and being put back into where it should be. Or another example would be like your leg being broken, a bone being broken, and the doctor has to set it so it can heal correctly. That's what we're looking at. And if you look at the extremeness of that illustration, a dislocated limb and a broken bone is not a little thing. So any transgression is like a dislocated limb or a broken bone. I love uh, our worship pastor, Jason. He had both of his hips replaced. It took a while to recover from that. It took a while. It was very invasive. I hurt my nose one time. It was very similar. And I'm going to tell you how it happened. Like, when I was a young man, I'm not going to say little because I was never little. But when I was young, we did VBS at my church growing up, and it was raining, so we did wreck inside. It's not a good idea. We played Red Rover, Red Rover. They said, send Nick over. I came. The teacher was the one I aimed for, and she moved. I tripped, and I went through the drywall. And it, it did. It hurt my nose. I appreciate your empathy. But I've never had a broken bone, and the reason I tell you that. But when I've seen that experience in other people's lives, it's not a little thing. And when someone's in that much anguish and pain, you really don't want somebody just coming and roughing you up, right? Like, what do you want? You want somebody to be gentle. Someone to kind of assure you that this moment is just a moment. That there's going to be healing, that there's going to be restoration. But right now, we need to do something. We need to put it back in its place. It needs to be fixed. And so when he's calling us to restore another, he says, do it in gentleness, meekness. And so we're not just talking like, you know, hey, buddy, hey, Mr. Pouser, individual. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but you kind of got angry. Like talking like maybe even to a little child. That's not what he's talking about with gentleness or meekness. What he's really talking about with gentleness and meekness is this ability to suffer along with somebody, to get in the trenches with them, to go in life where they're at and walk with them and gentleness, and meekness, and point them to a future hope, to point them to that this is hurting now, but it's going to serve a better purpose. There's restoration that is going to happen. I'm not a doctor. I try to pretend to be one in real life sometimes because I have Google and WebMD. But listen, you don't want me fixing you. You don't want me fixing you in any way, shape, or form because what I've got for you, there is no better tomorrow. I can maybe make you laugh for a moment. I can maybe cheer you up for a day, but that's it. The root problem is still going to be there. And so what he's calling us to is not to deal with symptoms, but to deal with the heart, to deal with the root, the thing that has been dislocated, the thing that needs to be restored, the thing that has been broken and is out of place. And so we're called to do this with gentleness, to be meek, to, to carry the burden with one another in the trenches because the fix is not just an overnight thing. And so one of the things he tells us in verse 2 is to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And you're, you're thinking, bear one another's burdens. We all have burdens. Maybe your, your burden level is kind of where you're at the place where you can go, I can, I can manage this. Some of you here, some of you at home, you're thinking, I can't. I don't see a day past this. We all have burdens that need to be bared. We all have burdens that need to be carried. And the thing that Paul wants us to understand is that we all are going to experience this, whether you brought it on yourself or whether you didn't ask for it and it has just been placed on your doorstep. I don't think any of us asked for COVID. 
but it's happening, it's here. But instead, what he wants to say is, you believers, you church, come together and walk together and carry one another's burdens. And this is not the way we would respond to burdens. We tend to respond to burdens. We tend to respond to sinful situations or hardships by isolating ourselves, moving away from community, moving our relationship away from God and saying, I'm going to get things fixed and then I'll be back. Think about how often that happens where, you know, somebody's walking through something difficult. Walking away from your marriage and just taking a vacation and coming back doesn't fix anything. I've shared with you guys multiple times, like Kate and I, when we struggled with parenting, going on a vacation and then picking the kids up from grandparents, they were still the same sinful kids. And we still had to deal with that same sinful heart that we had. Vacations don't fix anything. Walking together, speaking truth and love, and walking in the Holy Spirit to heal that has been broken, to heal that which has been disjointed. We need to do that together. Because if we continue on this path of trying to fix ourselves or fix things around us in our own strength, it eventually crushes you. I love counseling here at the church. I love that biblical counseling is just discipleship. But so often, folks, people wait till the house is on fire where they've done it on their own. For, they were like, I'm going to fix this. 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 And then finally you get to a place where you're like, I can't. And that's okay if that's where you're at because God still meets you in that. But where God would really love to meet us is at the beginning where we start recognizing our sin. We start recognizing the burdens of others early on and speaking truth and love and encouraging one another. And so please don't hear me say that if the house is on fire, you're wrong and bad and you just need to deal with it. No, 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 no. I've been one of the houses that has been on fire. I've been the person who's run out to the end of my rope and finally just said, I need help. I've gone before the elders and said, guys, I need help. I can't do this anymore. Like, I need help. Like, I've been trying to do certain things in my own strength, and it's not been effective. Go figure, right? And then in grace, not to say, Nick, well, why'd you let it get this bad, or why'd you take this too long? They just meet me in it and say, we love you, we see you, and share the love of Christ in my life. And that's what he's calling to do here as well. So walking in biblical community, it requires us to be vulnerable. And not just to receive it, but to also go and speak to somebody and say, hey, I see you. I see your hurt, or I see your pain, or I see your frustration and anger. It's tough. It's vulnerable. It's hard to be exposed like that, to not worry about being judged or hurt or possibly misunderstood or offended. And it's kind of scary, right? Because what we want to do is isolate and say, well, I'll just I'll fix it first, and then I'll step into it later. And we do this very mathematical, very controlled exposure, Right? But what Christ is saying is with anybody's consent or transgression, step in, restore them. Because it's all devastating, it's all destructive. And so God is not calling us to trust each other. He's calling us to trust him. The church is not a perfect place. The church has been an imperfect place for centuries because it's made of sinful people that are imperfect, saved by grace. Right? Don't put your faith and trust in me the elders, the staff. We are not perfect people. I know I get to stand up higher right now, but I'm not higher in life. God is calling us to trust him and not trust others. And so how do we fulfill the law of Christ? It's, it's to show the love of Christ to each other. 
when we think back through the law and we think about how God has established that even in the Old Testament, how he fulfilled it in the New Testament. And then in Galatians 5, Paul is showing us how the fruit of the Spirit is to be lived out, and it's all being driven by the love of Christ. And so he says in Galatians 5, verse 14, if you want to just turn with me or it's going to be on the screen, it says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So how is that fulfilling the whole law of Christ? Well, if we think back over Deuteronomy and we think about the law that God has established in Matthew 22, they try to trip Jesus up and try to catch him in some sort of theological debate that they could somehow justify killing him, crucifying him. And so what we see in Matthew chapter 22, starting verse 34, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they were gathered together. That's not a good thing. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Verse 39 says, And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Church, what he is telling us is that everything that has been built out, everything that God has been doing, everything that he has been doing to restore this broken world is based off of this, is that we are to love God with everything and in so doing love others. We cannot do the love of others until we first love God and received his love and received his forgiveness. As I was thinking about what love is, you know, I am really good at loving myself. Born with it, it was installed on the operating system from the day I was born, okay? It's the little program, I cannot delete myself. It's just there, manufactured, stamped. It's the thing that I'm having to trust God in day by day to restore in me. And so if I'm choosing Nick, a uh, best friend, I'm choosing Nick. Like, I'm swiping through all the friend choices. There's my face. I'm like, this guy gets me, right? Like, he knows what I'm going through. He knows how to do things. He knows not to leave the lights on in the house. He knows, you know, to leave the last cookie for me. So, you know, there's things that he knows how to love. But you cannot bear one another's burdens unless we first love God first and experienced his love with all of our heart and our soul and our mind. Which means taking my worship of myself and allowing God to transform and reposition it that I love him more than anything else. And I can tell you firsthand, when God is my first love, when it's all fueled by him, man, that's when I see the ability to be a light of Christ in other people's lives. Not something I can own for myself, but something that only can be pointed to him and him alone. So we are not called to be saviors of others. We are not called to fix. We are called to bear one another's burdens. So what's going to wreck this? Like, how does this get derailed? Like, why is this not just naturally happening? We see that in verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in anyone else, not his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Remember how I talked about how sin deceives, it distorts truth? It destroys everything, relationships to God, relationships with each other, to relationship to, to understand and know real truth. 
It says, so if anyone thinks he is something not true, he, when he is nothing true, he deceives himself. We're not able to see each other well. We're not able to see past the sin and the hurt to see a child of God. And so God is speaking to the center of our sinfulness. The thing that derails us is our pride, our love of self, our worship of self. And the church is full up of imperfect people. But God has chosen the church to be his instrument of redemption, to be his instrument of the gospel in the lost world, to be the light in the darkness for, since it was created. We did the series in Acts a few years ago where we went through and we looked at the unstoppable church, how it came against persecution, both on the outside, the inside, and all the things that came against it. Yet God was the one who sustained it and kept it going over and over again. You cannot put your faith and trust in the church or the people. You have to place your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Now, he chooses to use us, imperfect people, serving a loving and perfect God. But this is where he has chosen to have our lives changed, to have our burdens carried, to have our hurts healed. And the best burden carriers are not perfect people. It's imperfect people who have first loved God with all their heart, soul, and mind. And secondly, they're the people who then take that love and share it with you. Not to give you their two cents, their analysis of the situation, not their experiences which are tainted and deceived themselves, but testimony of God and who he is, what he has done and what he is faithful to continue to do. Because the gospel grows us. We're still in process. He is sanctifying us. He's redeeming us. And in doing that, he's calling us as a church, as believers, to carry each other's burdens. We often say this about biblical community is that biblical community allows for the burden to be divided up so it's not so weighty. But then the joys, we get to multiply and celebrate together. And we see this beautiful picture in this calling to step into people's lives in gentleness, to get in the trenches with them, so that they may be restored, not by our own understanding, but through Christ. I love last week we got to talk about how Christ is the energy, the, the electricity that turns the light bulb on. Well, here's now what we do with the light bulb. When Christ is in us and we love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind, that we get to share that love and that light to those that are around us. So what derails this? It's love of self. We deceive ourselves. We, we believe this untruth. And he says, even if you test it, you don't, don't look around and see what everybody else is doing. Because at the end of the day, what God is calling us to do, we're going to be accountable to him for that. We are going to be accountable for bearing the burdens of one another and give that account to the Lord as well. And wherever you're at this morning... You know, if you're not in biblical community or if you're needing biblical community, I pray that you would find that today and come ask us and step into that. If you're not sure what it meant that Christ has bared the ultimate burden, because that's really where we need to land today. That Christ has bared the ultimate burden, which is sin and death. The thing that you and I couldn't fix, the thing you and I couldn't do on ourselves. And so today, what I hope is that you would know the hope we have in Christ. That the ultimate sin and death issue has been solved. And he is using you and I to continue to work that nature out of us. 
And so right now we're going to watch a video and the tech team guys are getting ready. It's one of our members, Lisa Woods. She's going to share just how she went through a tough time not too long ago and how the community came around her to love on her during that time to speak truth. So I'm going to pray real quick and then we'll run that video. Father, we love you and we are grateful that um, you call us to something that you have equipped and, and given to us that we can do in your name, in your power, for your glory, for your kingdom. And Father, it is so much better than anything we could ever hope or ask for. And so I pray that you would bless this time, God, as we listen and as we respond. I pray this in your name. Hi, my name is Lisa Wood, and this is my husband, Matt. And um, we've been going to Solid Rock for about two and a half years now. Um, and I have the honor of serving on our worship team. Um, so I lived in Edmond, Oklahoma um, most of my childhood and um, went to Oklahoma Christian University and that's where we met um, probably the third week of our sophomore year um, and dated for about four and a half years. Um, and then Matt actually moved down here uh, for a job and um, then proposed and then I followed um, and moved down here. Um, it was really scary when I first moved here um, because I was leaving all my friends and family that I've grown up with for years who know me, know my story. Um, so I kind of felt like I had to start from scratch. Um, and I had been going to the same church since I was in elementary school there. Um, so I felt like I had a big hole to fill. I actually um, came to our church um, first by um, one of my coworkers inviting me. Um, she, I was new to the hospital that I um, work at now. Um, I'm a registered nurse at Cooks, and um, I um, was under a preceptor, um, and she was kind of showing me around the unit and getting me used to how they do things there. and. Um, I told her that we were looking for a church home, and um, so she invited us to church and um, had a lot of really good things to say about it, um, and the way she talked about it, um, I could tell it was more than just a place of worship, it was a family. Pretty much from the first Sunday on, we felt like we were um, a part of a family, and um, once we got into community group, um, it was just really neat to... Um, be able to be a part of each other's lives and to um, be praying for each other and everything and keeping each other up to date on what was going on and um, any struggle we faced either in our marriage or um, with family um, I knew we could just text somebody in our community group and they would be there um, to help with whatever needed to be helped um, or just to offer prayer um, or just to um, encourage each other through text or uh, meeting up for coffee or dinner or lunch or whatever it may have been. I think the the biggest time for me that community group really um, came through um, was when we or when I um, it was last year in March um, I was really struggling with um, depression for the first time um, and I felt really distant from God um, and um, I was in a really dark place um, and I have never experienced that kind of um, 
helplessness before. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I had never experienced that kind of hopelessness before and um, the people in our group really um, reached out to me and um, sent me encouraging verses that got them through um, really hard times um, when they were anxious or when they were um, depressed um, or at a really low point um, in their life and um, even just sharing verses or um, knowing that they were praying for me and being able to tell them or send them a text. Um, just being honest and saying, hey, I'm really struggling with this right now or um, I'm thinking these thoughts and it's scaring me. Just having that family there, um, that home away from my home in Oklahoma. Um, that was when I really... Um, realize the gravity of I guess how much our solid rock family means to me um, I guess looking back on that um, what is really cool to me is that um, I felt like through that when I was in the middle of it that um, that I was alone and that God wasn't with me um, I truly didn't feel like I could feel his presence but um, Looking back on that, um, he was there the whole time, um, and he was leading me exactly where I needed to be. Um, and I, I can say this now that I feel like I'm out of that, but I'm thankful that I did go through that um, because it strengthened my faith. Um, and now I really realize. Um, Um, that I can't do a single day without God. And so it was really um, in that time of depression that um, I felt like God was really able to use that for um, something that I wouldn't have anticipated. Um, and I was able to um, write a song for the Night of Music and um, sing it. And um, I think in that way I was able to share my story in a more um, um, in a more intimate way than I would have been able to just talk about it with somebody um, and um, just that writing experience with everybody from worship team um, and that's involved in the worship team um, was really neat uh, because it even though it was my story um, it was since it was my first time writing, it was really difficult to put that on paper and um, to um, figure out a melody for it. And um, everybody just kind of put their talents together and um, wrote that song and um, kind of helped me put my thoughts on paper. And um, so there's no way I would have been able to write that myself, um, even though I went through it. So um, I think that's just another really cool way that um, God used the body to um, to share my story. I know we know that Solid Rock is way more than um, just a church. Um, it's um, it's a place where we've grown um, a lot in our faith um, and in our marriage, 
I mean, solid ground for um, going through really hard times and being able to get through that. Um, and there's so many people that have been a part of that um, and that I feel like um, have been a part of our marriage and a part of our struggles um, that continue to um, press into us and check in on us and um, just be a part of our growth um, and a part of our struggle too. It's a place where um, I can serve and um, where we've, um, we've been through redemption um, and are continuing that. It's our safe place. Um, it's our home away from home. I